Good morning, Victory Church. Let me hear you real quick. A little bit better. Pastor Brian did a pretty good job of getting that dial turned up. Let's try it one more time. Let me hear you real quick. Give it up. There we go. All right, all right. As you know, if you've been here more than once, I I like the feedback. I like the talk back. I like the energy. So got to get you guys ready, especially if after service we're going to have some connection time. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, if you are visiting, first of all, let me just say welcome. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And you picked a great day to be here. And and one of those reasons is this. We're currently in, we would normally call them a series, but I'm kind of calling this a campaign because it's a push for us to find our circle. And we've been talking about this for a couple weeks and just the importance of connection and how much we want connection. And we're going to dive into that even more. Um, but we're doing something a little unique here at Victory that I don't know that I've ever actually seen done this way somewhere else. And one of the things that we're really talking about is not so much you finding a new circle as much as you making your current circle better. And so let me just give you a real quick uh, look at what that might seem like. For example, all of you, how many of you have a close friend? who's not at church today with you right now. Raise your hand. You got a close friend that's not at church with you. All right. How many of you got a, at least a semi-close friend who goes to this church? Raise your hand. All right. So here's kind of what that proves is that we've got two kind of groups of friends. We've got people who go to this church that maybe we've met at this church or maybe they invited us. And then we've also got some people who don't go to this church. Now, they might go to a different church or maybe they don't believe in God or maybe they do, but they like to sleep in on Sundays. It could, could be all kinds of different things. And so what, what we've been talking about and what we're going to roll out on February 23rd, okay, so when this series comes to a close, we're going to ask you to leave out of service and go and get a box. And we're going to have these Find Your Circle box. I think we might have a picture of it, might not. Um, and you're going to be able to go out there and get it and register if you are willing to host a circle. And so here, here's what that would look like. You'd say, man, I've already got a group of friends that uh, I like to hang out with. We like to watch the Super Bowl together. Uh, rest in peace, 49ers. Uh, we, you know, we like, to, we like to do different things together and hang out together. I'd go to the movies together. And so I'd like to just make that circle better. And then I've got a couple friends here at the church that I could invite with them. And so, so let me kind of break down real quick what that's going to look like. On February 23rd, we'll ask you to go out and get a box, and you'll register that box. It'll be pretty cool. It's going to have one of those QR codes, and you'll be able to scan it. And this whole deal, you'll register your box. Um, and then starting that week, so for the next five weeks, we're asking you to pick a night to meet with your circle. So five times, you pick the night, you pick the time, that's all up to you and your crew, and y'all get together, and in that box, we're going to have some recipes for some, some snacks, we're going to have some icebreakers, all kinds of different things, and then what you'll do is you'll queue up a video of me, for, and it's going to be about two or three minutes long, where I'm just going to introduce a thought, and then I'm going to give you some questions. And those of you that are hosting the circle, you kind of open up for conversation. You hang out together, have kind of a cool moment talking about Jesus. And then after that's over, you go back to doing whatever, watch the game, uh, go back to eating the buffalo chicken dip, whatever that might be. That goes for five weeks. And then after that, in that box, we're giving you a calendar and we're saying, hey, get your circle to do these things together. Right? The the Sunday after the, the five weeks are over, it's going to be Easter Sunday. And here we're going to have the adult egg hunt, all kinds of different things. So invite your circle to that. And then you can invite your circle to the church picnic. And you can, we're going to encourage you to start a group text and go to the movies with them. But here's what I want you to catch more than anything. Is, and and I, I said this the first Sunday of the series, but in case you weren't here, I want you to hear it. We're not asking you to, oh, now that you've accepted Jesus or whatever, say goodbye to your old friends and go find this new group of friends. That's not the concept. The concept is take that circle of friends that you already have and make them better. Does that make sense? And and so I'm going to talk about a lot over the the last two Sundays, but I really want you to pray and consider yourself to host a circle. Darla and I are going to host one. I think anytime I ask you to do anything, uh, it's important for Darla and I to do it as well. And we want to encourage you to be thinking about that. What does that look like? Who could I invite? Maybe it's three people. Maybe it's 13 people. I, I I don't know how popular you are. But, but reach out to your friends and say, hey, for five weeks, let's gather together, let's eat some dip, let's talk about Jesus, let's have a good time, let's play some games, and let's just chill together and then watch where that's going to go. Cool? How many of you are with me? Okay, good. That's a pretty good response for y'all being so dead today. Pretty excited. Um, while I've been preaching this, we've been kind of following the life of two guys named Peter and John. And the reason for that is this, Peter and John were in Jesus' circle, 
And then when Jesus ascended to heaven, he said, now go start your own circle. See, this has been long going. This is not a new concept. The church didn't introduce this. Here's how I know. How many of you waited until you got saved to have friends? Okay, good. So here's what that means, is that connection has nothing to do with Christianity, right? Like we have connection whether we're Christians or not. And so all throughout, all throughout the Bible, back in the day, you had connections and circles. And these guys were in Jesus' circle. Now they're in their own circle. And so we've been following kind of their life, picking out the principles that I feel like God wants us to see when it comes to our circle. So we're going to continue that. Acts chapter 12, we're going to look at just a few verses, okay? Um, and so here, here, I think it starts, uh, I don't remember where it actually starts at, I'm sorry, but you'll just read along with me. And said, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. I think it's verse 1. So, so he, he gets ready to arrest the people who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Everybody say, ooh. Yep, it's bad. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. So he found out that everybody was like, yeah, you killed James. This is cool. So he said, all right, I'm going to kill Peter too. So he arrests Peter. This happens during the festival of the unleavened bread. And then watch this. After arresting him, Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now here's the catch. Here's the verse for us today. So Peter was kept in what? Prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Now, now, there's another version that says his friends. So it's not so much, I don't want you to get the idea that this is the church as much as it is his circle. Okay? So while Peter's in prison, here's what's happening. They're praying. So here's what I want to talk to you real quick about this morning. I want to talk to you about the hidden cost of a great circle. The, the hidden cost of a great circle. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I, I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old, and my five-year-old Casey Ray got her allowance a couple days ago, and she had saved up $8, okay, which is a lot to her if you understand that. And so she, it was burning a hole through her pocket, and she said, I've got to go spend my $8, Dad. And so I said, all right, cool. So I had some errands to run anyway, so I took her with me. Uh, one of the stops was Target, and so we're in Target, and she's going down the toy aisle, and she's grabbing all of these toys asking if she can afford to buy them. And every toy she would pick up was bigger than her, literally. You know, like she'd get off the shelf and she'd be like, Dad, can I get this? And here's my rule. If the toy's bigger than you, you can't afford it, right? Same thing with our life. If something's bigger than you right now, you probably can't afford it. You know what I mean? If it's a house, you can't afford it. If it's a car, you can't afford it. So I just told her, you can't afford it. And so she didn't listen, so I grabbed the toy, and I went into the little scan thing that Target has, and I scanned it, and it said $60. And I was like, you'll never be able to afford this. <laughs> never. I can't afford this. And, and, and so, you know, we put it up, and, and we would literally go down aisle after aisle after aisle. And here's what she told me when we got there. She said, Dad, I want to get two toys. So I've got eight bucks, but I want to get two toys. And I'm like, cool, we can do that. And so we're going for a while, and she's picking up stuff. Finally, she finds these two little bitty toys like that big, and she's able to get them both. So we leave Target. She now has, listen to me, 37 cents in her wallet. I said, Casey Ray, had you saved that $8, you probably would have got another $5 possibly next week if you were good, and then you got another $5, and there's a chance you could have saved up and got the $60 egg, but then that would mean that she has good stewardship, and half of us can't do that now. And she's only five, and so we knew that wasn't going to happen. So we stop at one more store. She's got 37 cents, y'all. And we get to the other store, and she's walking through, and she's like, Dad, can I get this? I'm like, babe, you can't buy anything in this store. You can't, you can't afford anything. If someone opens up a package of cookies, you can't afford one of the cookies. Like, you can't afford anything. You're wasting your time. And, and, and here was kind of the, the idea and the moment of revelation I had. She knew what she wanted, but she didn't understand what it cost, right? And, and that's a lot of how we operate in life. Like, we know what we want, but we don't completely understand the cost. And I think if I was to take you all individually aside and say, do you want connection? Do, do, do you want a group of friends that are there for you, that you laugh together and hang out together and go to the movies together, but they're also there to pray with you and to help you move and to help you through, uh, you know, a death or, or whatever? If I was to ask you that, you would say, yes. Yes, I want that. You understand what you want. I'm just not sure we understand what it costs, right? 
And so I thought it was really important for me this morning to just share with you three things that having a great circle is going to cost you. If you want a close group of friends, if this whole concept, you want to find a circle and you want it to be successful, for that to happen, there are three things you need to understand that it's going to cost you. And if you don't understand this leading up, I'm afraid that it will surprise you and your circle will end before it ever started. So here we go. Here's the three things. Number one is this. It's going to cost you commitment. For you to have a healthy circle, it's going to cost you commitment. Look what it said in verses 1 through 6. Watch this again. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, what? You can, you can say killed, right? That's how we say it. You know, put to death with the sword. No, he, he shanked him. You know, he's dead. So, so James is dead, and Peter was kept in prison, but the church, his circle is earnestly so, so watch this with me. James is dead. Peter is in prison about to be dead. And yet the circle is somewhere praying. One's dead. One's in prison. They're praying. That is commitment. Right? Walk with me on this. We've all, it would be really easy for them to gather and meet and pray if Peter's there. Because Peter's the hype man. Right? Like, we all go places because this individual's there, right? We've all had those moments where if that individual didn't show up, we're not showing up. You know what I mean? Like, if they don't come, I'm not coming. And so the very fact that they're meeting, despite the fact that Peter's not there, shows me commitment. If, if Peter's there hyping, if he's on the phone, hey, man, you coming tonight? Hey, man, you, hey, you coming tonight? Hey, you coming tonight? That's one thing. But Peter's in prison, and he doesn't get that collect call. You know what I mean? And so yet they are still gathering and still coming together despite what's going on. And there's a concept there that we have to catch, that the circle is committed to gathering despite the situation. I said it like this, or I wrote it down like this. If we want to build a strong circle of connection, we must decide that our commitment trumps our comfort. Right? Because, I mean, let's just be honest. We want it, but we also want to be comfortable. But if we're going to have this, this healthy circle, then commitment has to be prepared in our hearts to trump over comfort. Because here's what I'm learning. Watch this. You ready? Connection is a cool concept until it calls for commitment. Right? How many of you, uh, I need you to be real honest with me right now. How many of you are currently in or have been in an argument slash debate with your spouse or kids about getting a dog? Anybody ever been there? Yes? Okay, thank you. Right now, we're going from, from the mouth of the Lord, the answer's no. The answer's no, okay? Uh, look, I'll, I'll, we'll be out, and I'll hear Darla talking to people in the other, she thinks she's slick. Because she'll be like, hey, honey, go in there and see who's in there. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's what you do. And, and I'll hear her, she'll be like, I can't wait till we get a dog. And I'm like, we're not getting a dog. I don't know where you even came up with that information. Because here's why I know we're not getting a dog. Because having a pet is a cool concept until it calls for commitment. Am I right? I'm, I'm on a soapbox. And if you're, if you, if you're in that, I'm, I'm helping you right now. We're going to have 1,000 dogs given away after service. It's going to be amazing. Okay? Because let me, let me walk. I, just, I need some counseling. All right? I'm going to have some free counseling. Here we go. Here's what happens if we get a dog. At 8 o'clock at night, when the dog is cute and wants to cuddle on the couch while watching reruns of The Masked Singer, it's their dog. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, puppy, he's so cute. Trying to cute. He's our puppy. And, I, and he's their dog. If I try to pet him, it's like, it's our dog. You know, if, if it's on a Saturday and it's noon and it's beautiful outside and they want to go throw the Frisbee with him, it's their dog. It's not my dog. It's their dog because he's cool. At 4.30 on a Saturday morning when he needs to pee and he is scratching at the door for someone to take him outside when it's 28 degrees and snowing, randomly, it's my dog. <laughs> right? Am I right? Like all of a sudden it's daddy's dog. Like, honey, honey, would you take your dog? It ain't my dog. If, if I take him out, he ain't coming back. Like, when I take him out, it's mafia style. Like, I'm taking him out. You know what I mean? 
Like, like he's going to show up at a Chinese buffet somewhere. Like, you, oh. And there's the church, guys. Enjoyed it. Two, two years, it was great. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's what I mean. Am I right, though? Am I right? It's, it's cool until it's commitment, right? Like, I'll give you another story that maybe you can relate to. Uh, it was that we don't, we don't, we don't get a lot of Friday nights without our kids. Like, somebody might babysit them, but, you know, we feel like we have to get back in a decent time or we're going to owe them a small fortune. And so uh, one time our kids were gone to Memphis, and it was a Friday night, and I was like, one of the things we've always wanted to do is go and see Jeff, Oleg, Jeff, Mohawk Jeff, who, right here, he, he plays downtown at, on, on uh, whatever you call that, downtown Nashville. And so I was like, I want to go see him play. I love him. I want to go see him play. And so this Friday came up. We had the opportunity. The kids were gone. And I told Darla, it was either like Thursday maybe or maybe Friday morning. I was like, let's go see Jeff play downtown. And she's like, oh, that'd be fun. I'm like, oh, great. So that was the plan. But then Friday came. And, like, we went to the gym and we did a few other things. But at one point at, like, 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, we were on the couch in, like, our PJs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like jogging pants and a T-shirt and a Victory Church hoodie on the couch. Look, we were so lazy, we ordered pizza to be delivered to the house. I haven't done that since I was a kid, right? And Darla's like, you want to order pizza here? And I'm like, well, of course I do. Like, I don't even have to put on shoes. Like, let's do that. And so we ordered pizza, and we're watching this movie on Netflix or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm, I am, what, what is it called? Horizontal? Is that what that is? I'm horizontal on the couch. I'm pretty sure my head was hanging off the couch, okay? Movie, I've eaten way more food than I should eat. I'm in my PJs. It's like 1030 at night. I'm two hours past my bedtime. Like, this is... This is Friday night for me. Praise God. That was exciting. Okay? That's married life for all you who are like, man, his life's horrible. It was great. Okay? It's great. All of a sudden, about 1045, Darla hits me on my shoulder. She goes, you ready to go downtown? I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already asleep right now. Like, what do you mean go downtown? Like, I'm not, look at me. I'm not going to get dressed. Who gets dressed at 11 p.m.? You know what I mean? If you ain't already dressed, you should not leave. Like, there's, there's, you got a problem. You should stay at home. And so I just realized it's just that moment where, like, hey, it was a really cool concept at about 9 a.m. when I was feeling all wild, you know. But at 9 p.m., I'm done. It's nice over for me, guys. And so it was cool concept, but when it asked for what? Commitment. It's like, oh. This is what relationship is really like. It's a cool concept. Oh, man, I wish they would have invited me to the movie. But if they would have invited you, you'd have been like, I'm too busy. I can't go. I'm sorry. I have to feed my dog and make macaroni. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just commitment is a problem. Here's how I know commitment's a problem with our culture. We will say yes to stuff, and the whole time in our mind, we know we're saying no. Right? Y'all did that this week. Y'all literally said yes to somebody. They said, hey, do you want to blah, 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 blah. You, they, they sound like Charlie Brown after. They're like, you want to wah, 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 wah. And you went, yes. And in your mind, you were going, never. Like, you know, like you, you, as you said yes, you knew, I'm, I'm going to say no later. Here, here's how I've defined our culture. We are the culture that will tell you yes now and text you no later. Am I right? And we're like, oh, man, we hanging out tonight? Oh, we're hanging out tonight. I can't wait. We're going to have a blast. It's going to be so much fun. All right, ma'am, sorry. I can't make it tonight. Right? Because you got home and you got comfortable. And what was a cool concept is no longer cool because that commitment makes you get uncomfortable. And some of y'all, I'm, I'm in your bedroom right now, right? I'm, I'm, in your, I'm stepping on your feet right now. It is what it is. It's cool till it's commitment. Listen. Our world right now is so fickle with the word yes. This is why we all have trust issues, because people will say yes, but we know they don't mean yes. You know, some of y'all, the first Sunday I talked about this, and I was like, we're going to find our circle, and we're going to get a box. You were in your seat going, yeah, pastor, it's going to be awesome. You were nudging the person beside you going, we're going to get a box. And you walked in there going, I ain't getting no stupid box. <laughs> like, that's what happened. Like, you, you, you know what I mean? We're just so fickle with the word yes. That, that, here, here's how fickle we are. You ready? We're so fickle with the word yes that this culture created a new word for yes. Because Y-E-S no longer actually means yes. You know what I'm talking about? So here's what we had to create a whole new word. 
It's like, well, what happened to Y-E-S? Well, when we say it, we actually mean no. So we wrote a whole new word, yes, right? That's, that's how, when, when someone's actually going to do something, the word is yes. yes. All right, ladies, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Let's see how many real men we have in here. All right, man? On the count of three, you got to say this word with all the pizzazz. No? He's so, he's so determined to do it. I heard him from the stage. All right, here, all right, count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Yes. All right. Well, we've determined that. All right. Ladies, you got me? All right. All right, here we go. Count of three. One, two, three. Yes. So look, in a couple of weeks when I say go out and get a book, what's your an- or go out and get a box, what's your answer? Yes. Don't give me, yes, I'll do it. I ain't going to get no stupid box. Don't do that. Be about the yes. Because listen to me, the relationship that ends up being the most effective in your life, the relationship that you're going to get the most out of is the relationship that you commit to the most. Hear me? If you want to get something out of a relationship, it's going to be the one you commit to the most. I can prove it to you. How many of you say, I've got one really good friend. Raise your hand. Like, at least one. You just can think of one right now. i got one really good friend. Did it cost you? Yep. Because in order for you to have a really good friend, it cost you something. Because anything of great value is going to cost you something. So if you've got a great friendship, I can guarantee you committed some stuff to that friendship. That's why you have that friendship. You committed time. You committed energy. You probably committed some money. You committed to that friendship, and now you've got a good friendship. So the relationships that mean the most are often the ones that will be where you committed the most. One of the most interesting things happens in the Scripture because watch this. Now, Jesus is getting popular. His popularity is is spiking, and he's got this circle, this group of friends, these disciples, and everybody's wanting to be a part of the circle, right? It's like, oh, man, did you see that? Like, because when Jesus would do miracles, he would do it through the disciples. So he's like, hey, you want to feed 5,000? You guys do it. And so, like, these guys are kind of getting the spotlight, you know, and they're like, oh, man, I want to be in his circle. And so it was common for people to want to be in Jesus' circle. And Jesus was pretty good about opening that circle up, but often the people didn't want to commit to be able to have the right connection. So I want you to watch this. In Luke chapter 9, you see an example of this. He said to another man, this is Jesus talking to another man, Follow me. Join my circle. Come on, you can get in my circle. But the man replies, Lord, <laughs> here's the deal. Yes, but no. First, let me go and bury my father. So, hey, I want to be in your circle, but it needs to be on my terms, right? I can't be fully committed to everything that you're doing. I want to be connected, but I can't fully commit to what you're talking about. Let me first go do this. And then still another said, watch this, I will follow you, Lord. I'll be in your circle. I'll be your best of friends. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Two people that wanted the connection, but they didn't want the commitment, right? They they wanted that connection. But what they weren't going to do is give the same commitment. The reason why the disciples made it in the circle is because they were willing to give up that kind of commitment. Now, that's a lot of fancy preaching to tell you this. If you want Healthy relationships, you're going to have to commit to them. You will not be able to have healthy, life-giving relationships and be and have it on your terms or be fickle about what you're involved. Well, I'm here. Maybe I'm not. Put it like this. Connection without commitment is casual, and casual connections are not life-changing. You have a lot of casual relationships, but there's hardly any commitment for you. And that's why those relationships are not life-changing. But they're not supposed to be. You're supposed to have a few life-changing relationships. But in order for that to be the case, you have to be committed. So that's the first thing it's going to cost you is some commitment. Number two is this. It's going to cost you balance. Balance. Now, this might seem a little bit out of left field. But the more you read into Acts chapter 12 and we read about Peter being in prison in verse 6, watch this. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between, everybody say two, Two soldiers bound with two, two chains. I heard a pastor say one time that Lil Wayne was there too. So he had two chains and yeah, Lil Wayne was there. And 
it'll come. Some of y'all are like, what's he talking about? Little Wayne? What happened to Big Wayne? And sentries stood guard at the entrance. So, so watch this. Two soldiers, two chains, right? In, the, in Bible terms, the number two represented balance. So theologians say this. The reason why Peter was able to be in prison and not freak out is because he had a balance. He understood reality, balanced, but he had faith in God. There was a balance. There wasn't an imbalance. It wasn't like he had more fear than faith. He, he understood where he was, but he had faith in God, so there was a balance. Hear me. Most of us can't have healthy relationships because our life is out of balance. One of the main reasons circles and connection don't last, watch this, is because our lives are out of balance because we have too much to do and too much to manage. Am I right? How many of you say, I got too much to do right now? How many, so if, if you're busy, raise your hand. You say, man, I'm busy. Raise your hand. I always say this. Busy sexy today, right? It, it, it's sexy to say, what are you doing? I'm busy. You know, it's like you let people know like you're important or something. Like, that's what it's all about. And we're too busy and we got too much to manage. And so we can't have authentic relationships. Darla and I were talking about this last night. We're trying to figure out how to have, you know, more, more of, a, of, a, of a close relationship, a, a marriage relationship when we're so busy and we got two crazy kids. And we were talking about how at night, once the kids are finally asleep and all the responsibilities, if we have to manage that time well, because if we're not careful, I'll jump on Candy Crush or something and we'll waste the time that we had together because we are busy. I, I get it. You're busy. You wake up in the morning. You got to wake up, take a shower, get dressed, brush your teeth, get the kids breakfast ready, get the kids backpack ready, get them on the bus or get them to school. You get them to school. You get home. You finish getting ready. You go to work. You work eight hours. You get off work. You spend an hour and a half in traffic trying to get back home. You get back home. You walk in. You either got to make dinner or figure out dinner. You got to help with homework. You may have to run a kid to a sports activity, and then you got to get them in bed, get them showered, bathed, teeth brushed because they can't do it themselves even if they're 18 years old. Get them get them into bed and then you then it's 9 30 10 o'clock at night and you're like whoo and you got to wake up at 4 a.m and do it all over again and then the weekends come if anything the weekend's supposed to be the time for us to to not be busy but we're doing sports activities and honey-do lists and and all the church responsibility and we're just busy we're busy people and so when somebody says something about relationships we're like ah, i'd love to but um busy. Here's, here's my favorite test. You want to ask the person, say, are you busy? Ask the person, say, are you busy? Are you busy? Are you busy? What'd they say? Here, here, here's the best test. You ready? Here's the test. If you have something planned and that thing you have planned gets canceled and your response is a level of joy that you should only have for salvation, you are too busy. You know what I'm talking about? If you ever had somebody cancel plans, you're like, oh, thank God. Hallelujah. Jamal ain't having a birthday party no more. I get to do something fun. <laughs> I get to watch the NBA All-Star game. Hallelujah. Sorry. It's, sometimes life just comes at you. I, I, you know what? No, no, just threw some shade. Umbrella. There you go. All right. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if, if that's your reaction to plans getting canceled, you're too busy. Listen to me. You ready? You ready? Here's the most profound information. Straight. We, we took the Greek, the Hebrew. We translated it in English. Here it is. Busyness is the number one killer of connection. Busyness. Hey, man, you want to hang out? I can't. Um, hey, I was going to call you this week, but I was busy. Hey, we should grab dinner, but I'm um, busy. Man, why don't you come over? I will, but I'm um, busy. Now look, I get it, guys. I don't want you to be like, man, pastor's saying that like, I don't manage my time well and, and that my work shouldn't matter. And all. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I understand you're busy. I get it. But I'm telling you right now that if we're not proactive in trying to make balance of our life, sometimes we think we're busy and we've just made poor choices. I thought about it like this. Jesus, from the time he, he decided to start his ministry to the time he died was about 42 months, 46 months, I think is what I did imagine, three and a half years. It was over 30,000 hours, okay? So, so Jesus has over 30,000 hours to start a business from scratch 
to launch it and then leave it in other people's hands. 30,000 hours. So if anybody has the right to say, I'm too busy, it's Jesus, right? Like, would any of y'all judge Jesus if he'd have been like, hey, man, I really want to heal you, but, bro, I'm busy. I got, look, I got stuff I got to do. I'm going to die in a couple weeks, and we ain't really got, I mean, do you need to see? You ain't doing anything productive in life anyway. Do you need to see? Like, I can get you, like, a dog or a horse or something, and you can kind of walk. I mean, I'm busy. Like, like, nobody would be mad at Jesus for being busy. But yet, when you read about Jesus, watch this. He was hanging out at Mary and Martha's house. He was hanging out at the Simon and Leper's house. He's having food and dinner meetings where the Bible says he's lounging. He's not eating on the go like y'all, y'all eat Chipotle as you're driving. He's not. He's lounging. He's like, hang, like, he's on the booth like, y'all got more bread? Just chilling. Matter of fact, one of the, his first miracle, he was at a wedding. Wedding. He's busy and he's at a wedding. Nobody wants to go to a wedding Right? You make up lies so you don't have to go to somebody's wedding. They'd be like, I'm getting married. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to be sick. They're like, it's in six months. Like, trust me, I'm prophetic. <laughs> Every June, I'm just, ah, it's nasty. You don't want me. I might, on your dress, you don't want I'll send you a gift, though. Right? You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to go. And Jesus, what is he doing at a wedding? You're busy, Jesus. You got stuff to do. Leave the, why are you at the wedding? Because Jesus was trying to show us that even the man who had the busiest itinerary ever still knew how to relationally balance. Knew how to balance. I got a mission. I got responsibilities. But I got a circle. Isn't that interesting? That he knew how to have this relational balance that a lot of us still can't seem to get. Our life is out of balance. And the thing that we really want the most and need the most, we don't have time for. I, yeah, I need y'all to pray for me. I have had a recent uh, revelation in my life that could cause possible death of an individual. Um, my, my daughter is obsessed right now with playing Roblox on a phone, and then she calls her friend on another phone. So it's not, not only does she have one phone now, now she takes up two phones, okay? So now she's bothering me twice, not just once, but twice. So she's playing Roblox, and she's talking to her friend on the other phone, which is just, you know, hashtag real world problems, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it should be like, go outside and talk to your friend on a cup with a string and get over it. And so um, what now we're looking at is like the screen time uh, uh, process where we need to monitor screen time. And I got on this thing on my phone, and there's this whole thing where you can set up and you can monitor your screen time. Do y'all know about this? I didn't know about this. Apparently, iPhone is doing big things. Didn't know. And so you go in and you can kind of monitor your screen time. And so I started thinking about this more and more. And I'm like, all right, what if we did this with our life? Okay. So, so I tried to put this together based off what I really know. Most of us work about eight hours. So out of 24 hours of a day, okay, 24 hours, this is how many of y'all get less than 24 hours a day? Anybody? All right. How many of you get more than 24 hours a day? Anybody? Just making sure you're awake. Okay. So. 34% of those 24 hours is what? Work. Some of you are like, a lot more than that is work. But for the most part, you have to do that. I get it. Another 25% of it is sleep. I did that off of six hours of sleep. Some of you get less. Some of you get more. It just depends on your lifestyle. But what is that? 59% of the 100% of your hours are justified. You have to go to work. You have to sleep. That has to happen. Now, there's another, what, 41% we need to talk about. Going off of just basic research, people say that 10% of our day is spent watching TV. Netflix, Hulu, there's not one thing on TV worth watching. Am I right? This is why we have Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix, uh, uh, Amazon Prime. You know why? Because we can spend three hours trying to find something to watch. And so you're just, I don't, and then you go to bed because the day's over. And so 10% TV, you spend about 8% of it eating. 9% of it doing kids' activities, taking them to soccer or whatever it might be, and about 3% of it on your iPhone. So now let's look at that and ask ourselves, am I busy or am I just managing my time in a wrong way? Now what I don't want you, I want you to leave here going, Pastor said, I can't ever play Candy Crush. It's not what I said. It's not what I said. But there's a moment where we go, I want connection. And then connection knocks on the door. And we go, oh, I'm too busy to open it. Well, you're making a decision. 
right? When Darla and I were having that conversation last night, there's a moment for me where I can go, well, babe, I just, I really need my candy crush time. You know, it says swipe to swipe the stress away. It's what I need to do, you know? Or do I, would I rather have a healthy marriage? It, it's the decision that I have to make. What, what do I want? And listen, as your pastor, here's my number one responsibility is to communicate the word to you so that you feel like you understand it better and you can apply it to your life. That's, your, that's my number one responsibility as your pastor. Number two responsibility is to give you vision for where we're going to impact others' lives and for you to be used in all the purpose that God's given you. Third is this. Occasionally I have to come to you and say things that you need to be said or you need to hear that you don't really want to say to yourself. All right? And so I wrote it down so I don't mess it up. Here we go. We, we, not just you, me, we must simplify our lifestyles in such a way that we can concentrate more energy into a circle of relationships that produces a sense of genuine belonging. Some of us are so busy, we can't belong. That's the problem. We need to quit being so busy so that we can belong. And I think it's important for us to individually look at ourselves and say, what are parts of my life, what are areas of my life that I can shift a little bit so that I can open up rooms so that I can have genuine relationships. Do you know what your number one excuse will be for not attending a circle after February 23rd? Do you know already? What do you think it is? Rachel, what is it? My dog. You know what that tells me? I'm too. And we got a good relationship, so she don't feel bad about me calling her out like that. But, but that ends up being kind of the number one excuse. Like, man, man I want to, but I'm busy. The, the wisest man in the Bible, Solomon, said this, and I'm going to show you the verse, and then I'm going to break it down to where we can understand it. In Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's what he said. Here's what that means. Better to have one handful and then have some margin so that I can enjoy what's in this hand than to have two handfuls and no margin to where I can't enjoy what I have. In other words, I need less so that I can enjoy what I have, right? If I have so much, I have it, and it's cool when I'm at the water cooler at work and everybody's talking about how busy they are, I can say, I'm busy too. But at the end of the day, I can't enjoy the natural things God has given me because I'm too busy. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Right? I, I was picturing this illustration. I was going to do it, but I didn't feel like doing it. Where if you give me one umbrella, I can use the umbrella. I can open it. It can cover me. It can stop the rain. But if you give me hundreds of umbrellas, all I have to do is sit there and manage all the umbrellas. And I think God gives us the things he gives us so that we'll use them to our benefit, but we end up getting so much stuff that we're just managing things and we're missing out on the purpose that God had for us to begin with. To be able to connect with people, to be able to hang out, to be able to laugh, to be able to have a meal together, to do life together. Hey, man, come over. I've preached this before and I won't go down this road, but I could talk to you all day about how the cultures of our grandparents and of their grandparents, the culture was set up differently where there was more time to hang. You didn't have cell phones, so if I wasn't at home, you couldn't get a hold of me, right? We had front porches with rocking chairs. I thought about bringing a couple of rocking chairs up here and just rock. That's why Cracker Barrel is the hot spot. <laughs> They'll get in that rocking chair and just rock and talk. What happened to that? You know what happened to it? Businesses started staying open later. Our bosses started making us work overtime. Everything open. Now, Black Friday's now on Tuesday. Somebody help me with that, right? <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Just call it Black Week. Doesn't even make sense anymore. Because we're, we're just trying to meet the need, the need. It's busy, it's busy, it's busy. And more and more, we'd rather get into our garage and close the garage because nobody talked to me because I'm too busy to stop and talk. I'd rather text you because if I call you, it throws off my schedule. If I see you at the gym, don't speak to me because I'm too busy. You know what I'm talking about? These are things I'm fighting innerly. I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm talking about myself. I don't want to be so busy that I miss out on the, the gifting that God has given me in relationship. Right? So it's going to cost you commitment. It's going to cost you balancing out your life. And number three, it's going to cost you faith. You read this, and I'll get ready to close. It's pretty cool. Towards the end, Peter's in prison. Peter gets out of prison. 
and he goes to where the people are praying, all right? So it says, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So the, the group we read about at the beginning, where they were together praying while Peter's in prison, Peter goes to their house, knocks on the door. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda, everybody say Rhoda, in case you want to name your child that, that's out there. Rhoda came to answer the door, and when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, watch this, she ran back without even opening it. She was like, ah! And she ran back, and she exclaimed. She runs at everybody's praying. They're like, oh, God, we pray right now that you would release Peter from prison. Bring down, bring down the gates like the walls of Jericho. And they're just praying. And she comes in. Rhoda comes in. She's like, guys, 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 guys. Watch this. Peter's at the door. And they're like, you're an idiot. You're out of your mind. Here's how I see it happening. You're ridiculous, Rhoda. Like that? She got a nickname, Ridiculous Rhoda. Like, like, no, there's no way. There's no way he's at the door because we're praying for him. What the, uh, catch this with me. We're gathering, but we don't have any faith in our gathering. We're meeting, but we don't have any expectation in something actually happening from our meeting. When you gather, it's your attitude. If you gather because Troy said to, then you will be gathering to just gather. If you gather because everybody says you should do it, then you will just be meeting without expectation. But if you've got some real faith, then man, I feel like us gathering together could actually change lives. If you start believing that something could actually happen, we laugh at stories like that. I can't believe they are sitting there praying and the very thing they prayed for came true and they didn't even believe it. They're so stupid. <laughs> but yet we will gather in circles and not expect God to do anything in the process. I I'll tell you this story real quick. Um, first of all, if it weren't for circles, this church wouldn't even be planted. Because the 18 people that moved here to help us plant this church were my circle. And, and I was, I don't want you to sound like I was the circle leader. They were just in, I was in their circle and they were in my circle. And then I started thinking a little bit deeper. And, and I was going to call them and ask them permission, but I didn't. So I'm just going to tell the story. Um, when Darla and I were in Memphis, there was this couple that came, we knew of them. We had hung out with them a couple times. I actually knew some of their siblings more than we knew them. And, uh, but, but we had started kind of a friendship. And I remember they came to us and, and they said, hey, long story short, we need some counseling. Like our marriage is, is rough, it's on the rocks, it's not doing well. And, uh, and you know, we, we, we were the same age, we had uh, similar kids age and everything. And so we kind of felt like we could relate to them with the season of life that they were in. And uh, we said, sure, we'll counsel you. So, so I'll never forget our very first meeting was in my office, Darla and I and the couple. and. Um, when they got up to leave, we were there for about a couple hours. When we got to leave, I looked at Darla and I was like, ah, I don't know if there's any hope for them. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, was, it was rough. It was rough. They were, you know, they had some real, real struggles. But we liked them. We just personally thought they were cool people. And it's funny because now you fast forward, and it wasn't but a while ago that they sent us a text message, long text message. And their marriage is the healthiest it's ever been. Uh, they both are living out their personal dreams career-wise right now. God's just doing some great things in their life. And they sent this long text message, you know, giving Darla and I credit for, man, if it, you know, thank you for, you know, if it wasn't for you guys. Da -da 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 -da. And it's so funny because I read that and I thought to myself, I don't ever actually remember doing anything. Because what happened after that first meeting, we never really had any more scheduled counseling meetings. We just made a connection with them and we got in their circle and they got in our circle. And we just started doing life with them. And so we would go on dates together and they'd come over and hang out the house and the kids would play together and me and him would play Call of Duty and uh, her and Darla would do whatever you women do. And, 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 uh, and while me and him are shooting people in Call of Duty, we're, we're, we're having conversation. Man, did you tell your wife you loved her this week? And then while they're hanging out together, they're, they're talking and they're doing a lot more, you know, positive stuff than me and him were, but, but we're making progress. And, and that went on for, for a couple of years, honestly. 
And, and the whole time, I'm not really seeing us doing anything specific. You know, we didn't break out the workbook and start filling in the blanks. You know, it was like it, we, were just, we were just doing life together. And so I'll never forget this. I'm reading this text message, and I just, clear as day, was like, God, I don't really know what we did. I don't remember doing anything specific to help them. And I just felt God say to me, you did life with them. And I'm like, okay. And then out of nowhere, he reminded me of this verse that says, when one or two are gathered in my name, I will be there. Josh, come here, bro. Come here, come here. Come here. Come here. Just roll on stage. Do whatever you do. Come on. Okay. So, so watch. Stand right there. Stand right there. Stand right there. Okay. So, me as an individual, Josh as an individual, according to Scripture, when we come together, when two or more are gathered, Jeff, run up here for a second. Run up, yeah, come on, when two or more are gathered, what? In my what? In my name. Now, what does that mean? Come on, come on. Now, here's, here, here's where we get mixed up on this, is that we think, well, as long as they're, you know, I don't, I'm sorry. Um, as long as, I know you're manly. Well, come on. Right. As long as we're studying the Bible together, as long as you guys are breaking down Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, then the Lord is with you. It's not what that means. It means when my heart is for God and his heart is for God and his heart is for God and we want to love our wives and we want to be strong Christians, it doesn't matter if the Bible's in the room or not because we're gathered and we're of one heart and we're of one mind. And when we're gathered in his name, well, how are you in his name? Because I'm living and I'm breathing and I want God's purpose for my life. And I want my marriage to be right and I want my kids to be raised right. And so when we're together in his name, guess what? He is there. He's there. So any time that we gather, I can expect change to happen. I can expect it. If I have faith that that's what this is about. If the understanding is, hey, I gather, not so that we can hang out and have fun, although we're going to hang out and have fun. I gather because when I'm together with two men of God, something in me changes. There's an expectation, right? When two or more gather. So, so here's the catch. In a couple weeks, if you do what I'm asking you to, you're going to come into a room with some men and women of one heart and one mind. And if you walk into it with no expectation, then you won't see anything. If you walk into it thinking we're just hanging out, then you will be just hanging out. But if you come into it with faith and expectation, then miracles happen. They happen. Thank you. Life change. I've never met anyone, I never met anyone who experiences a moment like that and walks away and goes, that was a waste of time. I wish I would have done something better with my time. But the enemy would love to keep you busy because if he can keep you isolated, then you lose out on this opportunity and then that expectation goes down and what God's been trying to tell you about your marriage, you won't hear because you're too busy. What God's been trying to tell you about you and what God's been trying to tell you about this and that, you won't hear because you're too busy. So it's commitment, balance, and then it's faith. Sorry to pull you up here for that, but I just, I, I felt that in my spirit. I don't need to see that. I needed to see that. When, one, when two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. Amen? So I'll say this and then I'll, I'll end and I'll pray. And we'll let you guys go out and, and mingle. Um, I, I, I've always felt a real heavy responsibility for what I preached up here on this stage. There's a mandate on my life to communicate the gospel. I don't get to get up here and say what I want to say. And I, I, I would sell my life on the belief that if you will surround yourself with some good people, your life will never be the same. And so I'm begging you, do not miss out on this blessing that God has naturally formed for you. For you to be able to surround yourself with a group of people and then to put faith in it, put expectation in it, that it goes beyond what it is. It's great that it is what it is, but it can be even more. Amen? So check this out. I'll pray. Pastor Brian will do his thing. And then I think the goal was to end a little bit early to allow you to have a little bit of time. I have no idea how long I've preached, so enjoy it or be quiet. Um, but 
when you go out, we got some snacks and some sodas and things. And just take five or ten minutes and, and chat. Talk to somebody. Talk to the people you know. Talk to people you don't know. If you're in here and you know you're hosting a circle, you need to start meeting people. You need to walk up and say, hey, you got a circle? I'd love to have you in my circle. I had dinner with one of our groups uh, the other night, and they were talking to everybody at the table and the waitress about being in their circle. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Get them all. Get everybody. I don't care if you're even saved. Come to my circle. You know what I'm talking about? Like that, that's what this time is for, for you to be able to connect, meet somebody, and have that moment where it doesn't feel forced because I'm literally telling you you have to do it. Right? Amen? You receive the word today? Are you ready to pay that kind of cost for relationship? Because it's real, I promise you. When this is all said and done, you'll be like, Troy was right, that little booger was right. Commitment is balance and it's faith. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's still moving and active in our lives today. And that everything that Peter and John were dealing with then, we're dealing with today. And Lord, I know we all want the same kind of circle that you gave the disciples. A circle that is about fun and all kinds of things, but at the same time, it's about a mission and a purpose. And I pray for every person in this room. I pray for the one that you've put it on their heart to host a circle that you would give them boldness. I pray for that individual who's sitting here today who has tried to connect, but it's failed every time, that they would have faith, that if they'll keep trying, they'll keep believing, God, you're going to be able to set them up in that perfect environment for that great connection. I pray for the introvert that's in here this morning, who just the idea of mingling with anybody scares them. I pray you give them that boldness to step out, to be able to connect. I pray for the extrovert who sometimes pretends like they got it together, that they would humble themselves and realize they need people too. And God, as we continue to grow as a church, you'll help us stay small even as we're big. That you'll allow us to stay a family even as we're impacting a state. Lord, I pray over this time of connection that's going to happen in a little bit that your Holy Spirit would lead, because I believe that your Holy Spirit cares about those kinds of things. So guide us, lead us, let us make commitments, let us balance our lives so that we can have a true circle that changes lives. We love you, we pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said...